The following episode of Rotten or Righteous deals with some mature themes and is not suitable for children. The documentary we're discussing today may contain strong language and subject matter that the hosts of this show do not endorse or recommend. Listener discretion is advised. We have many mothers. Right. Many mothers. That was a terrible cereal. Have you ever had frosted mini mothers? Nope, I have eaten the wheat, so... It was only on shelves for a couple of, couple of weeks before it was recalled. Hello and, and welcome back to Rotten or Righteous, the only podcast that I just... I, I don't even want to be here. I don't want to do this podcast. I'm I'm sorry that I have put this podcast out into the world. Yeah. That well, at least what we've been watching keeps sweet. It's horrible. It's brutal. It's made my life worse. It has made my life worse. I mean, at least. You started that sentence with at least, and then you just went on to list terrible things, Scott. Mm. You know, normally when somebody says at least they're leading up to something good. Like, at least I, I found out I didn't have cancer. Or, <laughs> I got nothing. This has been a horrible, horrible docu. Is it a docu series? Is that what it's called? I don't. I, I wouldn't say it's horrible. It's horrible. I would say the the topics are horrible, but. Without this documentary, I wouldn't have known the names of Elisa and Rebecca Wall, who stood up to the monster that was Warren Jeffs. Their story deserves to be told. If we can tell their story in a way that's a little less painful than actually sitting through four episodes, then I feel like we have done something productive uh, with the relaunch of our show. That said, it's going to be a long, long time before we cover anything even remotely as dark as this particular uh, four episodes have been. This, this is, yes, this is the darkest thing that we have covered since we've started. Yeah. Murder murder Among the Mormons was, it was bad, it was dark, but it, it didn't even touch this. I was never so happy in my life to hear that you got sick than I was last week. Scott? <laughs> Thanks, man. You're welcome. <laughs> And it wasn't I need to tell you about that sometime too. Well, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't because I was happy they were sick. Of course, I love you. I want you to, you know. I, I don't. I don't even want to know what you were just doing right there. But uh, you know, I want you to, to be healthy. What the crap! Did you just pull a, a cream saver out of your butt? Is that what that was? Cough drop. Oh, I didn't even know they. I thought you had a cream saver. I didn't even know they made cream savers anymore. I don't even know what that is. Oh, cream savers good. Get yourself some strawberry cream. Mm, never mind. I digress. Uh, I was happy you were sick because it gave me another uh, week before I had to watch this episode. I didn't watch this episode until last night because mm-hmm. it wasn't like I was trying to wait to prolong the ending. You didn't want to hear what else was going to come to get there. Right. Before I watched this episode, I got to live in blissful ignorance. I got to imagine that Warren Jeffs was rotten in a jail cell somewhere, cut off from the outside world, and that all of his victims went on to live good lives, uh, unscarred 
by the FLDS and uh, the people that ran that particular organization. However, it's totally not true. <laughs> no, you know, life rarely gives us happy endings when you're talking about real life. And it's better to face the bitterness of reality and hope that some good comes out of it than ignore it and pretend that it didn't happen. And so we started this climb up this mountain, Scott. We're going to see it through. But I'm not joking. This was the most difficult thing I've had to watch for our podcast ever. Oh, for just the last one? No, just this last episode. The last pumping, one, yeah. pumping myself up to watch this last episode or getting myself in the headspace to take notes as I'm watching this episode. I, you know, and I thought like Hallmark movies were bad. You know, getting myself psyched up to watch, you know, Jane Doe has a life as a successful lawyer in the big city. She has to go to the rural countryside to find Mr. Right. But is he Mr. Right forever or Mr. Right now? And will she allow her career to get in the way of true love? Find out this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and every day on the Hallmark Channel, because that's the plot of every movie we make. <laughs> It was easier to watch those movies than it was to, to click play on this particular documentary. Mm -hmm. But let's get it over with. Please. We left off last week with Warren Jeffs being arrested in the backseat of a unmarked SUV eating a salad. We're not given any more information about what that salad was made out of or what dressing was upon it. And that may be the true crime. <laughs> It was an odd detail to stick in there, wasn't it? I mean, you can't just... There's, salad can constitute so many things. Mm -hmm. Was it a Cobb salad? Was it a Chef Caesar salad? salad? I mean, you could even say, was it like a like a Neeson salad? Like a dessert salad? We don't know what kind of salad he was back there mm -hmm. nomming on. Just tell me what mm -hmm. kind of salad he was eating. It's good to know that that bugged you, too. Of all the things we can be bugged about, it's well, the salad. I think I, I'm clinging to that salad because if I was bugged by the things that I should be bugged about, I would drive myself insane. <laughs> That's true. This final episode opens up with Warren Jeffs arriving in a Las Vegas courtroom wearing a blue prison jumpsuit and in shackles and is soon extradited to Utah to face trial. As you remember from the last episode, the entire case against Warren Jeffs hangs on the testimony of one person, Elisa Wall, or as she's known in the case, Jane Doe Number 4. On September 13, 2007, after months of preparation, the time had come for Elisa to have her day in court. She arrived at the trial in an unmarked van. SWAT and snipers stood at the ready just to ensure that some faithful to Warren Jeff's assassin wouldn't kill her before she arrived at the stand. When Warren arrived in the court, he and Elisa locked eyes and stared at one another. And Elisa refused to be the one that broke eye contact. And when Warren finally look, looked away, Elisa knew that Warren no longer had power over her. And that was so great. It was huge. She is a stronger individual than I could hope to be. Mm-hmm. And I wonder. Uh, you, you're gonna you're gonna get in you're gonna get into the hearing, and boy, I got I got problems. I got problems with the defense lawyers. But you wonder at that moment as it's being cold, 
she said, I was not going to break that eye contact. And it was him. And I'm like, yes, victory, victory for her mindset at that Mm -hmm. moment to be able then to go on to talk about what she talked about. And you had to imagine that Warren got the fear of God in him just a little bit when he realized that he no longer had complete control over this Mm -hmm. former member of his flock. Yes. Well, the trial gets underway and the prosecution makes it very clear that their goal was to show the jury that they weren't going after Warren Jeffs because of Jeff's religious beliefs. As we said, it might have been the first episode. They weren't going after Warren Jeffs or the FLDS church because of polygamy. The U.S. government, again, just does not care about that. They're not going to go and tear apart families, even unconventional families, without serious crime that's happening within that family. They were going after Warren Jeffs, not because of his religious beliefs, but because he was, at the very least at this point, an accessory to child rape. Now, Lisa is called to the stand to give her testimony. And she spoke about how Warren forced her to marry against her will when she was underage, how Elisa's husband then raped her on her wedding night. And Warren's defense immediately tried to discredit Elisa's claims, saying that the way that she was acting basically meant that she was asking for these terrible things to happen to her. She wasn't raped. Brought it on herself, so to speak. Right. You dressed Horrible. You dressed that way, so you deserved it. Argument. Horrible. And what I can't understand is, Zach, how, how can these defense attorneys be so stupid? I mean, well, the evidence Scott, they had to know about was overwhelming. Well, that's why. The only play they had was to discredit Elisa. Uh, mm-hmm. The prosecutor that tried Jeff's during that first trial says, after 20 years of being a prosecutor, it is my opinion that attacking the victim backfires almost every time. I know this from personal experience. I've seen this firsthand. I, just within the last year, I was on a jury uh, for a case that dealt with sexual crimes against a minor. In this case, it was much younger than any of the girls that Warren Jeffs dealt with. We're talking about a girl that wasn't even 10 yet. And there was no hard evidence to convict the defendant. It was very much so his word versus the word of this 10-year-old little girl. But the lawyer, in his closing argument destroyed any chance that that defendant had, in my opinion, when he tried to paint out this little 10-year-old girl who described these horrible things that happened to her as a liar. When we walked back there, that was still ringing in my head. I, now, keep in mind that by the end of the trial, I still think that he was 100% guilty. Mm-hmm. And I do not regret casting my vote for that. But I was the four-person on this jury basically at a default because everybody else was just staring awkwardly for a while and I wanted to go home. So I was the first one to speak up and we first did our, our 12 angry men style vote on how we felt. And I was in the minority of saying guilty. And then I went around the room and I said, listen to what that defense attorney said at the end. And I wrote down his quote about calling her a liar. And I said, I want to watch that girl's testimony again. And so they brought us a TV and we watched it. 
And at the end of it, I said, look in her face and tell me that you think that she is a liar. Because if you're going to say not guilty in this trial, you're saying that you believe that this little girl is a liar. Is a liar and didn't have the things happen to her that she said. The next vote around, unanimous guilt or unanimous guilty vote. But he's absolutely right. If that defense attorney even played up the benefit of the doubt a little bit and didn't say this little girl's a liar, I probably would have been talked out of my guilty verdict. I'll be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Because it was he said, she said right up until the very end, man. That was that was Warren Jeff's mistake. His lawyer's mistakes, anyways. And on stupid, stupid move. And if that's all you got. Right. That's it. And then on September 25th, 2007, Warren Jeffs is found guilty of rape as an accomplice. And immediately following the trial, Elisa uses a press conference outside the courthouse to urge the members of the FLDS to look at their beliefs and realize the mistakes that they were making. And in the effort to try to, to reach some other girls who were trapped there as basically sex slaves against their will. Isn't it interesting that she was known as Jane Doe number four prior to and during trial? Now, I don't know that that was revealed when she did the press conference, but we can see that. We know that. It is of note to me that she went ahead and had that. I'm not saying right. she shouldn't have. I just think that exposed her some for what they were trying to hide her from. And while that kudos was, to her for what she did. Absolutely. And that's the end of the documentary. Every FLDS member magically woke up and realized that they've been following a monster for the past several years. And uh, the church folded. Changed their ways. Warren was thrown into solitary confinement for the rest of his days. And we will never hear about him again. Can we? Can All we, right. Zach? The Can end. we please? Can we but, please? But before we go. Can, hey, Scott. Please. Can we? Can we? I know it's not true, but can we? Now, first of all, no, we can't for a couple reasons. Number one, Warren only got 10 years. That was the maximum that they could give him for these particular charges. And number two, from the moment Warren is in prison, he begins to get visitors. And Warren is able to talk to them back and send out messages and sermons with them back to his church. So despite his incarceration, despite being found guilty of an accomplice to the rape of a minor, Warren Jeffs is still able to control his cult. And even more than that, in the cult's eyes, because he's he's able to twist the narrative, Warren is made a martyr in the eyes of the faithful. And he used his sentence as proof that the world is trying to take down the FLDS church. The priest, the priesthood. While Warren rots in jail, the FLDS compound outside of El Dorado, Texas, also still dumbest name for a ranch ever, yearning for Zion Ranch, continues to grow. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> Once a week, Warren would call to his ranch and deliver a sermon and instructions over the speakerphone. To those living at the ranch, those weekly calls might as well have been the actual voice of God calling them. Mm-hmm. And on the ranch, young women and children continued to be groomed for underage marriage. On April 3rd, 2008, a phone call is placed to the Child Protective Services crisis line from a 16-year-old girl living on the YFC. She reports that she's already a mother. 
and that she was pregnant with her second child and suffering abuse. So, the sheriff, being the good sheriff that he is, drives out to the ranch in order to do a welfare check. Now, however, the people at the ranch did everything in their power to stall his investigation. They were like, oh, you want to talk to all the girls? Well, here's Rebecca. Fifteen minutes later, I'm done talking to Rebecca. Okay, just wait a second. Three hours later, here's Here's Hezekiah. That's a boy's name. Why did you name her that? Then three hours later, here's Callis and Bunyan. They're twins. Really, callous and fun. Which, by the way, let's let's just let's just go off this a second because you know what we we're going to need this a couple times tonight. Wouldn't that be an awesome name for a son, though, Bunyan? I think no. that would be good. I mean, I else, like that. What are you going to call him? Middle name Planners? Planners Wart? Nah, Bunyan, 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 Jack. Bunyan Head. <sighs> Don't call Calling your bunny for short. Don't, don't call your children bunion head. Anyways, bunion. don't do that. Uh, so yeah, they were stalled during their investigation, but the sheriff was able to find a bunch of journals that belonged to the young women on the compound, and in the journals were basically written testimonies of underage marriage and pregnancies. So now <laughs> they had probable cause to search even further. Now, why in the world would? The YFZ higher up put the sheriff and CPS into the one building that, ca- that that housed all of their underage wives' diaries is beyond me. That seems like yeah. a, a a slight <laughs> slight uh, in judgment, uh, uh, but that's the way that happens. So now they have probable cause to go into full scale sweep. The very next morning, April fourth, two thousand and eight, SWAT officers descend on. The ranch. The sheriff. Child protective services with them. How, how, much long, how much longer you got on that uh, on that cough drop there, Mushmouth? Mm, not not a lot longer. Don't <laughs> feel <doing> better. <laughs> it's thinned down pretty good. So the sheriff, carrying out the judge's orders, removes the children from the compound. Four hundred and sixteen kids were living at the YFZ ranch at that time. And they were sheltered at a nearby fairground until the law figured out what they needed to do next. Now, the FLDS immediately started to spin the story in their favor. Warren Jeffs handpicked his best actresses, the ones that could look the most worried and the most grieving who miss their kids more than anything in the world, to go on a media campaign. Now, I'm not saying that these women were faking being sad or or upset. I mean, yeah, your kids are taken away. Of course you're going to be upset. But I'm also saying that Warren Jeffs didn't pick the ugly criers of the group. He picked the women that could, could show grief while staying composed. And lie. So he used their real emotions to build public sympathy for himself. Rebecca Wall, Elisa's sister, a former wife of Warren's father, Rulon, knew right away that this was all just a big old theatrical production. She even points out that one of the FLDS women featured on Larry King Live, one that was emphatically saying that she was unaware of underage marriage, was a midwife for an underage girl who would eventually testify against the church. Mm Mm-hmm. Where is she at? I hope she's rotten in prison too somewhere. I wondered that. What what happened to her? There was nothing else given on her. 
I mean, you're you're lying. You're lying during a federal investigation. Well, I don't understand. Although is, I guess maybe at that time it wasn't federal investigation, but it's still a state investigation. I want to know what kind of technology Warren has, because I promise you, I saw that woman they pointed out on that picture of the farmer with the pitchfork. You know what I'm talking about? That famous <laughs> and picture. Her. Yeah, that, yeah. I mean, how did he bring that picture of her to life? Yeah. They all they all look so similar. Hair, oh, we we, and- we feel so sad that our children are being ripped from our arms. Never mind the fact that for years Warren had been literally ripping children from the arms of devoted parents within his own church. Remember yeah. back at Salt and keep Creek. Keep in mind. Yes, keep in mind where they're at. Not everybody went to YFZ. Right. Only those that were picked, specially chosen. Everybody else is back at yeah, Sugar no, Creek. No, they would just take your kids and leave your kids. Yeah. You would be left in Salt or in Sugar Creek or Salt Creek, whatever the, the stupid name mm-hmm. of the town was, while your kids were shipped across state lines down to Texas. Yeah. So for years, Warren had been tearing kids from the arms of their mothers. And on top of that, remember the day that Warren walked into the chapel and said to his brother and all the other higher-ups that were there, hey, get out, you're done, you're not allowed to see your kids, you're not allowed to see your wife anymore, your wife's going to go marry another Mm -hmm. man, and that man's going to become your children's dad. Warren has been orchestrating the destruction of families within his own church for years. And now, now they're going on, on, on news cycles and everything. It's fine when Warren does it. But when somebody's concerned about the welfare of your kids because you're marrying them off at the age of 12, 13, 14, oh no, that's the end of the world. We better go tell that old walking corpse, Larry King, about how hard our life is. Yeah. Can I also say that when the uh, CPS woman gets there and there's a woman that's speaking, I laughed because this is the only funny thing in this whole documentary, and I'm not going to find the sound clip because I don't want... I have to watch this again. Uh, but someone's like, so you're taking the children away? And the CPS woman's like, yes, that's what the judge ordered. And then there's this one woman in the background that just goes, can't you see the children are happy here? I laughed mm-hmm. so hard at that. You know what that is, mm-hmm. folks? That is a closed off religion and the accent you get when you don't go around normal people. Can't you see that the children are happy here? Mm-hmm. Keep sweet. Oh. Keep sweet. It's hard to watch. Really, we're discouraging people. Don't watch this. Don't watch this. On April 7th, 2008, one of the women whose children had been taken away by Warren, she still lived back in Utah. In Short, in Short Creek. Yeah. yeah. Still lived back in Utah. Her children had been taken away by Warren and moved down to Texas. Gets a phone call. She needs to go down to Texas and claim her kids in order to get them out of police custody. Her name was Alicia Roebuck. So Alicia was actually thankful for the, the raid because she was going to be able to see her two little girls for the first time in over a year. Years. Yeah. However, when she got to Texas, she was immediately taken to Warren's lawyers and told to lie and not implicate the prophet. Don't tell, don't tell the, the police that they've that, that Warren ordered your children being taken away from you. However, her children were taken away from her without her consent. So how was she going to be able to explain why she allowed them to leave? Yeah. They told Alicia to tell the police that you're mental and incapacitated 
And so you let your children go to another state. And, and I, can I can I say I, I grieved I grieved Zach. I felt so bad for all these women. But the one we speak of now, Alicia, is that her name? Alicia Robach? She just she broke my heart. She Absolutely did, but she's also broke my heart. I'll tell you what broke my heart more is some of these talking heads, some of these women that we have interviews with are still wearing the FLDS garb. Yeah. They're still in it. Yeah. At least Alicia took her kids and got out the second that she could. Mm-hmm. And for that, I don't grieve mm-hmm. for her. I'm proud of her. I'm thankful for her. Oh, I am. Yeah. But I'm glad story. that she I mean, has all these, all these ladies stories. just breaks I'm glad that she has a terrible haircut because it's not a braid. I'm glad that, that her little girls are yeah. there to tell their side of the story today. I'm glad and that they she's now know her out of the compound. I mean, Alicia shows up and the kids, no clue who she is. Yeah. They're told to call her mom. And I said, well, why? We have many mothers. Right. Many mothers. That was a terrible cereal. Have you ever had frosted mini mothers? Nope, I have eaten the wheat, so... It was only on shelves for a couple of couple of weeks before it was recalled. Ugh, still, ugh, still can't get the taste of those Frosted Benny Mothers. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> no, I like it, though. You know, we're probably, we're probably going to start doing this more the further we go into this, because it's just... Why, are you going to say silly things like Frosted Benny Mo- or Mini Mothers? <laughs> uh, hey, you know, we, we got to. We got to do something. So there's got to be that moment to, it's like, okay, let it, let it out. And then we'll get, we'll get back to the disgrace. All right, Scott, you ready for the only part of this entire outline that I tried to insert some humor into? Yep. Let's do it. All right. So Texas needs to find out what was best for the 400 plus FLDS children that they took from the ranch, whether to send them to foster care or allow them to return to their parents. The optics weren't great for Texas. You had heavily armed SWAT team members taking away children from mothers who were dressed like extras from True Grit. And the public wanted to know what in the Waco was going on in El Dorado, Texas. Pun intended. That wasn't a pun. I tried to when make was a pun. Waco, Waco was when way was before Waco? this. That was in the 90s, right? Right, and this was in the aughts. Yeah. You know, I can remember when uh, Laura and her sister Mary got new dresses for Easter one year, and uh, they're, they're the exact design, the exact same thing as the ones that uh, the FLBS women wear. I mean, they're spitting image. I'm sorry, little, I know, little House on the Prairie. Why do I want to hear about a mobile home in the middle of a field, Scott? Yes. Yes. You've still never watched that, have you? I never will. Yes, you will. No, I won't. One of these days, we're going to be together, and I'm going to force you. Scott? And then It's only going to take one episode, too. You're going to be hooked. No, I won't. No, I won't. So, basically, the entire nation was against... Texas uh, at this point. Now, keep in mind, Texas doesn't have a great track record when dealing with religious cults like we just (laughs) alluded to. Waco was a disaster. (laughs) They've had some previous problems. So when they're like, when you hear Texas and has a cult problem, you're like, oh, no, here we go. 
This <laughs> isn't going to end well. On May 29, 2008, eight weeks after the raid, CPS gave the kids back to the compound. Basically washed their hands of the whole thing. Yeah, we've seen enough. Here's your kids back. I mean, there wasn't... Have a good day! Now, to be fair, they only had the journals that said, hey, I'm 14 and pregnant against my will, so what else were they going to do? Yeah. Anyways, thankfully, local El Dorado sheriff wasn't ready to give up. He knew nasty things were happening on the ranch, and despite the fact that the kids had been returned, he wanted to keep on investigating. Over his head, the sheriff asked... Rebecca Wall, to fly down and act as a consultant. Now, Rebecca knew from her time being Rulon's wife, Warren's father, that the Jeffs kept a treasure trove of church records in a secret location back when they were in Utah. There had to have been a location where records were kept at the new base. She told the sheriff that if they wanted to build a case against Warren, if they wanted to help these kids, if they wanted to really do something, they needed to find those records. Now, the most logical place for the records to be was inside the temple that sat on the YFZ ranch property. Now, the temple was the most sacred spot in the whole world for the FLDS, and very few people knew what happened in that building. But the sheriff, we're not told how, but the sheriff was able to secure a search warrant and went in to search the temple. Now, here's the part that's going to shock you, okay? Despite the fact that FLDS men surrounded the temple and were weeping and praying for the sheriff's destruction, that sheriff was still able to get inside that building without being smited. I was shocked. I was shocked. Where are you, Zach? I was like... For sure. There's going to be you some lightning bolts. Yeah, for the I hand mean, of like, God to I mean, come like, down. Clearly, these faithful followers of the prophet were begging yes. God to make like some Sodom and Gomorrah-esque type divine judgment pour out of the heavens upon this officer of the law. But uh-huh. he was able to just walk right in. I'm shocked. Yeah. Yeah. Or even, even. I mean, he didn't even get shocked by static electricity when he went and grabbed the handle. Nothing. Nothing. Just floored. Just floored. It's it's almost as if that these people aren't actually followers of God. You don't suppose. I wonder if there's an ulterior motive. Jack wagons. Anyways, they walk in. It looks like the inside of a church building. And they take a bunch of pictures of it. Until they get to the fourth floor. Where the fourth floor is just white. White, 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 white. So white that you know that they weren't having communion up there. Warren Jeffs was like, you keep that fruit of the vine out of this room. That's right. That's not true. Mormons not come above the third floor. That's not true. Mormons used tap water in their uh, communion, so they would have been all right. It's a true story. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, they used tap water and white bread. Not unleavened bread, like like Wonder Bread. Mm-hmm. Wonder and water. Yeah, just like Jesus used to. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> you may want to think about whether or not that's a cut point later on. I, I know that's kind of that's kind of on the edge. I think, but no, everybody knows that last supper Jesus did had a loaf of Wonder Bread. Yeah, yeah and some Jerusalem tap water. Yep. 
So they go in this white room, and they see a white curtain. And behind the white curtain is a secret white room. And in the secret white room, there's a tall, pure white, altar-like bed. It's creepy. We'll get back to that in a minute. Meanwhile, in the basement, they find the vault. It wasn't hard, because it looked like a bank vault. If you're here, let me just educate you. If you're ever looking for a vault in your life, if you ever get into a position where you have to to think to yourself, "Man, I need to find a vault," and you go down into the basement of a place and you see a big metal door with a dial on it, I'm telling you, nine times out of ten, there's your vault. You're going to be important important papers behind. And there. Not only that, but if you are in an organization that requires a vault, clearly yeah. you need some measure of security. Why would you make your vault look like? A vault. A vault. <laughs> Why is it not hidden? Put it behind a bookshelf something. I mean, yeah. it looks like it straight up came out of a Wiley Coyote cartoon. So inside the vault, which they were able to open after hours of working on, on it with a jackhammer, they found the records. In the vault, they found documentation of the underage wedding ceremonies that Warren Jeffs performed. They found pictures of Warren kissing his underage brides. They found journal entries from Warren where he wrote things like, The Lord is pressing on my mind to take another girl. And they found audio logs. Audio recordings that Warren made with his wives. Some as young as 12. Instructing them to do certain things. To help each other. Listen, if you haven't watched this documentary yet, I'm begging you. Don't. Seriously, don't. Just because of this part right here. As soon as they bring up audio logs, skip it. Skip forward two minutes, and then you can watch the rest of it. What this documentary makes you hear will keep you up at night. It'll, it'll make you cry. When I listened to it, I did. I, I wept. I had to pause it and weep, because you hear innocence being stolen. What his man did to underage girls, what this man did to women, his penalty on earth is not severe enough. In the vault, they also found instructions for that temple bed they found upstairs. Turns out that it was a place where Warren would rape underage girls in front of his other wives. San Angelo, Texas, which is Spanish for Sally's Arugula. 2011, Warren Jeffs is back on trial to face a felony sexual assault with a minor charge. Charges, I should say. (laughs) Warren is found guilty of raping a 15-year-old and a 12-year-old. Evidence was presented that showed that Warren had officiated 67 marriages between FLDS men and underage girls. In the end, Warren had 78 wives. 24 of them were under the age of 18. Warren was sentenced to 100 years in prison plus 15 years. And he was never heard from again. And I'm just kidding. He's still leading the church from behind yeah. bars. Still doing that. And the FLDS is still has thousands and thousands of members who believe that Warren Jeffs is the prophet. Uh-huh. And they love him. Hanging on every word. I'm happy that I'm on Zoloft. What are you happy for? 
I'm happy that I'm on Selexa. <laughs> you know, I did the, the smallest amount of research on uh, Warren Jeffs to see what uh -huh. he's been up to in prison. Uh, yeah. Turns out that he keeps going on a bunch of hunger strikes, and Texas is, keeps going, force feed him. We're not ready to let him die yet. So wow. that's that. And uh, I also found out that Warren is incredibly racist on top of everything. See, I'm, I'm surprised that he hasn't been killed. Warren Jeffs wrote that the Mark of Cain, like several other misguided people believe, Mark of Cain was, he was turned into a black man. And that's where it all came from, which makes very little sense. No sense. But... He also goes on to write that if you marry a black woman or a black man marries a white woman, their place in the celestial kingdom is forfeited forever and they can never repent. The dude's a piece of crap. Wow. He really is. I'm ready to move on. I'm done with Warren Jeffs forever. Yep. I never want to think about him again. Scott, but hey, Scott. <laughs> yes, Zach. Before we go, do you know what uh -huh. you call... Do you know what you call a pile of cats? A pile of cats? Mm -hmm. Uh, no, I don't. Call it a meowton. A meowton? <laughs> Good night, well, everybody. Don't forget to follow us. If you haven't followed us already, give us five stars. If you're listening to us on iTunes, if not, send us a message on on, on Gmail. It's runnerrighteous at gmail.com. Tell us a documentary you want us to watch next. Uh, <laughs> Watch it or watch it. Your dad can be the my dad. <laughs>